0: Hello, Erica.
1: Hello, Stephen. Happy Labor Day.
0: Happy Labor Day with you, because it's Canadian Labor Day.
1: <laughs> Labor Day. I thought you meant Labor Day with you, and I was like, yes, you're with me. That's, yep. that's how we do this podcast. Yep. But you said with a you.
0: Yes. I don't know where else Labor Day is celebrated in the world. I know it's in the States, because they have the long weekend, too. I don't think they do it in the UK, do they? Maybe they do. Maybe it's a worldwide thing. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I'd have to look at my Google calendar, which has holidays in the UK and Australia also on there. Well,
0: traditionally, May 1st is Labor Day, I think.
1: Well, that's like the International Workers' Day, which... uh, yeah i don't know no the states is different yeah
0: but we don't get it off work i know that for sure but we sure do get labor day in canada off which is why we watch doctor who because that's (laughs) what we do along weekends here
1: yep yes it's it's become sort of an unofficial lazy doctor who tradition to spend holidays watching doctor who and today we uh we completed uh the enemy of the world episodes five and six
0: we did. We're done another story. It, it's become almost that we only do Lazy Doctor Who on long weekends because sometimes we don't do that because Irv Chirp has been taking up time and other things. So, but it was fun to watch Doctor Who again.
1: Yeah, it was. I love this story.
0: Yeah. I know. Me too. I'd seen it. I think we said this already, but I, 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 I've seen it a lot recently, relatively, you know, with Twitch and with. Uh, mm-hmm. Just watching it It's new relatively to most of us So, But it's still It's still a great story isn't it
1: mm-hmm. Yeah well wow. Milton Johns is Just <laughs> awful I mean he's so good but mm-hmm. he's so Awful in this just Just really m- m- Just Evil in a very Matter of fact realistic mm-hmm. way
0: mm-hmm. Ugh. Sadistic
1: Yes very but not like not like an over the top scenery chewing sadistic. He's just so sort of laconic and like he's just <laughs> laid back about it. And like, yeah, you're gonna tell me everything I want. Like, I don't, I don't think he's scenery chewing at all. I think mm. he's just, he's just, he's, he's just at the right, at the right level.
0: He must have been a very nasty little boy, <laughs> as Jamie says.
1: Yes, oh, but, but and then he's just like, yes, but it's, it's such a what delightful childhood mm. or something. Ugh, I feel bad for all of the little. Animals in his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, he probably tortured some cats and stuff.
1: Yeah, I suspect that's what he was talking about. Yep. So. Yeah.
0: Yep. But he gets his comeuppance. But he doesn't get killed. He gets taken away and has a trial, and he demands a fair trial after he's been <laughs> taken away. Bah.
1: Yep. I think that's that's better. I think that's a better ending. I like the idea of him just sort of suffering slowly, like sitting in a cell mm-hmm. for many years Yeah. as opposed to Giles Kent who is shot and then crushed
0: that's always surprised. I remember when I watched it for the first time uh, I think mean, properly watched it for the first time because you know I'd, I'd listen to and watch the recon but I haven't you know it doesn't stick with you as much because you know me I like visual learning and such and I'm always surprised by the twist that Giles Kent is actually sort of the main villain of the piece in a way you know what do you think about that
1: I wouldn't call him the main villain I'd call him like tied for the main villain like there's two and they were partners to start with yeah. which is scary. although actually I'd always kind of thought of them as partners and this time I don't think that I don't think they were partners so much as he was just another one of Salamander's sort of not not really lackeys. like he obviously yeah. thought he was a partner, but um, you know, he salamander had him bring people down for the stress test or the endurance test or, or whatever it was. And then he was never seen by them again. like he just disappeared and Salamander took over so he didn't necessarily have quite as big a role in this whole undertaking as maybe he wanted to think mm-hmm. uh, but he certainly knew all about it and he knew about how it was all mined and they sort of planned all that together so he was you know he was definitely a, a big time co-conspirator but he didn't have his his hands around the project as much as he thought he did because obviously Salamander was able to discredit him and uh, and yeah but but, but I I certainly didn't expect it the first time Mm -hmm. because I I was foolish and I didn't trust the doctor's instincts as much as I should have, I think, Uh, because the doctor clearly all the way along was just, you know, really wanting proof, which he, you know, the doctor before and since will often just trust people and take them at their word. Mm -hmm. And he never did with Giles Kent, which should have been a bigger red flag for me than it was.
0: Yeah, me too. That's a good point, actually. We should always trust the doctor because he knows what's best Mm -hmm. and he's always demanding proof of stuff you know and he wasn't he wasn't really demanding proof of salamander i think he probably knew that salamander was bad but i think he was sort of seeing where giles kent Mm -hmm. what he would do you know why he couldn't get proof from him basically so he could sort of find out what his main deal was
1: yeah and I do like the line that we get here about how, you know, anybody who would resort to murder as quickly and like cheerfully um as you did needs to be suspect. And I think that's I think that's important and I think both pieces of that are equally important because the doctor comes across a lot of people who, you know, for whom killing is sort of the the natural first step, but they're not all as Gleeful about it, I think, and in intense about it as Giles Kent was. So I think the Doctor was was very right to be, um, not trusting him. And it's n- watching it a third or, to- or fourth time or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting watching it after the first time you've seen it, knowing all the way along uh, that it's it's seated pretty well. Like this is a this is a good solid script. Like mm-hmm. he never does anything in front of us as the audience that is. Totally off base, but he is just suspicious enough. And you know, you look at all the decisions that he makes and how insistent he is at the end there. that, That Bruce take him along. Like, no, I need to. I need to see the records. I need to be able to show you. And like, when Bruce doesn't take him along, he's really upset. So upset that he convinces Astrid to come up with a plan so that he can get out and get away. It's you know that. If he was really on the up and up, he wouldn't really need to have have done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there
0: were no like asides to the camera, like "Oh, now I can hatch my plan." You know, we never really even you know. We and there are occasional little times where he's alone, like when he fakes him fakes being shot and the guard runs off after Astrid and he's sitting there with ketchup or jam on his forehead or something you know that was the time when he was alone but he doesn't like you know he's almost like still a sympathetic uh and good guy character because he sort of like taps mm-hmm. his forehead tastes you know mm-hmm. that's usually a thing that only the good guys would do perhaps or would be allowed to do in in a story so they're they're mm-hmm. keeping that pretense up even into like episode six which is mm-hmm. which is pretty cool of the script as you say
1: yeah, like they hold it back for a long time. Mm. I really I I kind of I want to know what that was that was on his forehead? Like was it ketchup? Was <laughs> it jam? Was it barbecue sauce? Yeah. yeah. Cuz it had to it had to have been something that was red and looked like blood. Um
0: or maybe it was chocolate syrup well, cuz it looked like blood on camera mm. but not necessarily in person.
1: Okay, well I guess I want to know in world. Right. What was it supposed to be? Right. <laughs> and also out of you know, I want the Watsonian and the Doyleist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Both of Mm -hmm. this particular uh, snack food That he wears on his head
0: Yeah Uh, In episode five, I think the last episode I mentioned to you that There would be I can't remember if I said Who it was But there was a cameo From a certain someone That certain someone Was David Troughton Mm -hmm. Um, And then I forgot to look for it <laughs> And then somebody on Twitter I can't remember who it was Posted that Oh it was a guard it, it was a guard I think I knew that it was a guard But there's a lot of guards In episode 5 But we found him We finally scrolled back And went and found him He's the guard that comes in With Benick When they're about to I- Interrogate Victoria And Jamie And there's David Troughton In his first on-screen role As an unspeaking extra As a guard he gets <laughs> Punched by Fraser Hines later on
1: Yes, thank you to whoever that was on Twitter, because yeah. I think they described the scene pretty well, which made made it so that I, I remembered enough to be able to find it, and it's just like, oh, look at him. It's mm. baby Peladon.
0: It is baby. I think he was 17 or 18 at that point or something. He was very young, anyway.
1: Yes. Still dreamy, but not enough, <laughs> not enough thigh here.
0: No. No. He had a helmet, though. And leather on, though, so I don't know what that pertains to. Um... <laughs> Anything else about these? Let's see here. Um, what else What else, What else? else uh, caught your mind here?
1: We have more Astrid badassery. She's yeah. just amazing. Like, you know, she knocks out uh, Bruce's guard to get the gun and oh, I do things my way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like <laughs> literal, literal air punching. I mm-hmm. punched the air. It was, it was great. Uh, and then she's the one that comes up with a plan to be able to get away, to yeah. draw the guards away. So that um, that Giles Kent can get into the the facility, and then we have her finding Swan as she's running away, and vowing that she's gonna, you know, she promises uh, to help. The people underground, and I love watching her go down there. Like that was something the first time I saw this, and actually the second time because I kind of forgot it happened. uh, That was something I never expected to see the two parts of the world coming together in that way. Mm -hmm. I think I would have expected like the Doctor or (coughs) Jamie or Victoria to go down there and and discover them, but no, it's actually you know a person who lives on the surface of the Earth. So the contrast is, I think, much more exciting. Yes, Because you have somebody who has been on Earth this whole time And who knows that there has not been a war And is just baffled by the whole thing But she's also somebody who's very smart Just the way that the, you know, the doctor would mm-hmm. have been If he would have been the one down there She immediately figures out the contamination chamber is a fake Because obviously she knows she's not contaminated with radiation So she's like, well, what's going on? Uh, but she, she identifies the light bulbs And how you, you know if you break the, uh, the band in between them triggers the machine, and, yeah, finally we get, you know, the payoff of Colin. Um, (laughs) He's he's been so, so OTT.
0: Adamant, looking at, Mm -hmm. I I kept looking up behind me to spots on the ceiling where I thought he was looking at when he was (laughs) delivering his lines. (laughs) I just still don't know what he was. Did they, I asked you this at the end of the episode, did they survive that, because it feels like I don't remember seeing them after, all the debris hits the little records room there, mm-hmm. and Bruce comes in and helps Astrid and the doctor out. But I don't remember. There might have been guards with them, and perhaps they hauled out Mary and Astrid But we don't hear mm-hmm. from them again.
1: We should have appreciated res- or rewound sure it to yeah. double check to see if we we saw them leave. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody will tweet to us and, and let us know. But uh, but we, I mean, the last thing that I remember for sure seeing of them is them like standing up and hugging each other as things were as things were falling. Yeah. I also think it's weird that. Okay, so we get the payoff of um of Colin being so adamant about things because he's the one that jumps in front of everybody who's like going at her with pitchforks and brooms and stuff yeah. and uh and gets everybody to calm down because he just wants to know what the hell is happening on the surface, and everybody else is just panicked because oh my god, radiation um so because of that, Astor just sort of assumes that um that they
0: are the leaders
1: yeah. which seems very strange to me because they were 15 when they went down there.
0: I think she can she can tell mm-hmm. you know it was the two of them that came in with her to the uh, yeah. the room mm-hmm. the records room I mean the room there they sort of like stopped everyone from like pitchforking her yeah. she she's a strong lady. she knows she can sense where the leaders are and where the followers are. I think so. It was pretty quick, or perhaps they didn't realize it themselves, mm-hmm. but uh, Astrid probably made them realize it themselves so in which case they probably did survive then and we just missed it because it would be weird to sort of say yep and your new leaders are now dead also so welcome up rest of the (laughs) world to yeah
1: well it's not like they need leaders now they can actually go back to you know whatever is left of their lives I mean they probably had other family and friends who think that they have been dead for five years Mm -hmm. Um, so you know there's a there's a alternate universe out there where where we're getting to see the fallout of this and all of these people getting to come home because you know that Astrid is, she's going to give me some men. I'll mm. lead them. Yep. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that so much.
0: I This whole story, and I think I mentioned this before about how I find it very intriguing how little to do with the plot the Doctor and his companions have. It's very Astrid driven, Salamander driven, Bruce driven, Bennick driven, Giles Kent driven. All those five are the main, and really, Jamie and Victoria are. Nothing. <laughs> they do nothing in the last two episodes. They go back to the TARDIS and wait for the d- the doctor mm-hmm. doesn't do anything apart from look like salamander. Well, th-
1: there's th- the one scene that I think is great is the scene where the doctor is <clears throat> pretending to be salamander For Jamie and Victoria That is a super important scene Because that is I think really The ceiling of the deal for Bruce Mm -hmm. To recognize you know exactly What was going on Um, And it also you know gets to show off the doctor Being as as wily as he is To actually fool his own friends Mm -hmm. And then have to you know explain No no it's me and he does a little recorded nonsense Which is super cute Uh So yeah you're right I mean Jamie and Victoria really don't do anything Except be captured And and you know they're, they're there to be frightened By Benick yeah. Who is really terrifying Um, And then they're there to move the plot along To help explain In front of Bruce yeah. But yeah other than that there's there's not a whole lot That the doctor does Well the doctor also kind of fools uh, Giles Kent At the end mm. I don't know how the doctor got into the records room though
0: That actually surprised me Yeah because mm-hmm. that was The doctor wasn't it Mhm. Yep. do we have to watch this episode again to see what happens, how that happens, and how Mar- if Mary and Colin survive?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I am curious about Mary and Colin, but I don't think that they gave us any explanation. I don't, I don't as to how the doctor ended up in the records room.
0: It was the records room, right? Because yeah, he yeah. flips. He comes in. He mm-hmm. flips on the thing. Yep. But how did he get? How did Giles can't get in there? Then mm-hmm. o- obviously the rec- the records room has been opened at some point, right?
1: I guess. I mean, we kind of saw Giles Kent outside, filling with a um, a monitor, and like it makes sense for Giles Kent to be able to get into the room because he knows the facility. Well, so. so, and he says, you know, you've gotten careless. You sh- you didn't double lock the door, but don't worry, I've done it now, and nobody can get in. So, I mean, I guess maybe Salamander just didn't double lock the door in the first place, and somehow the doctor and Bruce were able to get the guard away from the room long enough. For the doctor to break in,
0: Bennick used the emergency key. Remember, he said, "I'll use the emergency key when he comes oh, yeah. in and asks what he he thinks mm-hmm. is salamander it's the doctor."
1: Yeah, but I thought that that was just totally Bennick um, playing the doctor, like trying to figure out like what the hell is going on well, here. Apparently, so he there was not.
0: yeah, I think there was an actual emergency. No ca- mm-hmm. oh, boy. We have to watch these things more closely. At least I have to watch mm-hmm. these things more closely.
1: Yeah, but then we all later you also have um them outside looking at Giles, Kent and the doctor, Well we think it's Salamander. Yeah. And doesn't Benick say the only way to get in is the with the emergency key and Salamander has it in there with him? So I don't. I, I feel like that's a a bit of a gap that we should probably stop looking at so closely.
0: <laughs> I just enjoy mm-hmm. that we have these episodes back after fifty years, yeah. basically of not having them mm-hmm. at all.
1: Yeah, because I, I I just love this story so much, and 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 the idea that that there's like this whole underground thing that you don't even find out about until part way, like halfway through. And you don't find out about Giles Kent being the uh, being the the awful bad guy that he mm. is until the end. And then at the very end, you get an actually really good fight scene between the Doctor and Salamander. That's that's some solid uh, some solid work.
0: It should have been more. Mm. Barry Letts was um, misinformed when it came to advice on how to shoot that scene, mm. and I think what he did, uh, I I don't know the 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 technical details of it but there was an easier way to basically shoot half the scene on one half of the camera and the other one on the moon and apparently a lot of the film wasn't usable oh. and so basically that one shot of the two do- of one the doctor lying on the co- console and Salamander being above him was like the only shot that was salvageable so it should have been a lot longer and more thorough i think than what you saw on screen
1: I'm selfishly going to say I'm kind of glad it right. didn't work. No, I thought that was just the right amount.
0: Well, I think there, I think uh, not necessarily the fight scene. I think there's going to be a lot more like confrontation perhaps, uh, you know, like not necessarily fight because you can't really do a fight scene with, with two of them. You could tell there were stunt doubles there. Um, but yeah, and then he's like sucked out into space. <laughs> it's crazy because he's just sort of like screaming and he's sort of like somebody's dragging him out obviously and then, and then this weird star field yeah, and it, yeah.
1: Is it outer space or... Is it inner time?
0: Ah, so the doctor comes from <laughs> Stones of Blood. Spoilers. Yep.
1: yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd. No, I think that was that was cool. I mean, you know, we needed to see. It's good that we got to see Salamander sort of get his just desserts because I mean, the doctor's plan was very doctory to start off with. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to let you out, and you're not going to have any friends, and you're going to be alone, and you can run, but they're going to catch you, yeah. which would have sort of left a, a great big. Um, you know loose end dangling instead we saw him falling although who knows I mean somebody could easily bring back salamander in and maybe they have in books or other media um, simply because we don't actually see him land anywhere maybe (laughs) maybe he gets saved by another TARDIS or something and then you know he comes back and somebody gets him to to impersonate the doctor in some way and like you know there's there's a lot that could happen but it was, it was still a cool a cool ending for a bad guy.
0: Maybe he gets saved after being in space for 29 seconds. Then a ship with an infinite improbability drive comes along and saves him. Mm-hmm. And they go and look for the restaurant at the end of the universe.
1: I thought you were going Douglas Adams there for a second camp.
0: Yeah. I know you're not a fan. And I know you haven't read slash watched slash listened to it much. But I thought I'd throw it out mm-hmm. there for those who do know that trilogy. In five parts. <laughs> yep.
1: Um, anything else? Yeah.
0: I don't think so. Um feels weird to just sort of like discuss the enemy of the world and the subsequent story, the web of fear, so mm. casually as part of the greater canon of Doctor Who, given how they miraculously came back um, to the archives. Mm. But, uh, but it, in another way, it's great to just sort of discuss yeah. it as <laughs> just another poor part of the canon that we're very happy to have more of Season 5 back when at the beginning of this... Se- well, actually, even further back when before Tomb of the Cybermen was discovered, we had barely anything of Season 5, and now we have pretty much three complete stories now. So, mm-hmm. hooray for that.
1: Yep. And I know, like, I've been hoping that if we were just lazy enough... Maybe by the time we got to the Web of Fear, episode three would would be returned to the archives and we could watch it moving. But alas, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case because that is now our next story. And uh, I have not heard a a peep about episode three coming back. So, boo.
0: Yeah. So Philip Morris, if you're out there uh, listening to this um, if you can wrangle episode three in the next couple weeks, perhaps, <laughs> uh, it, it would be great to be one of the first podcasts to do a review of it. So <laughs> if you could hit that up, cause you know, if somebody walked off with it, it is out there somewhere. There's, it's, it can, it can be found. Um, so yeah, just go ahead and do that. Thanks.
1: God, some people, people yeah. are terrible. Mm-hmm. Just Taking other people's things. I bet you it was Bennett. <laughs> he, he does strike me as the kind of guy who would do that. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Maybe it's Milton Jones. <gasps> he,
1: I, I love him so much. He
0: wouldn't do that. Mind you, Castle and Kellner would have done that too.
1: Mm. He's
0: great. Maybe he. Maybe he's got episode three of The Web of Fear behind his eye patch. I'm just referencing all of Milton John's upcoming roles in Doctor Who now.
1: (laughs) We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We will
0: indeed. But not today. That's the end of this. So uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.